0: hello welcome back to into the black archive it's the last episode of series one that hasn't been burned down by the bbc it's the censorite uh, my name's james stevenson and joining me once again on this lovely journey through doctor who law is my wonderful co-host owen cranston good morning good morning or evening or afternoon or wherever and whenever I'm- you're listening to this now
1: for uh, the first time in this podcast history, we're not recording at half eleven at night.
0: Yes, it's about it's tea time on what are we call this Easter Monday.
1: Yes. That shows you how how much time there is between our episodes being published.
0: Uh, yes, it does. <laughs> There's a lot of delay, but this is this is all planning and preparation. Anyway, what else is planning and preparation is this lovely six-part serial of Doctor Who we get to go through, and we sense, you might be interested in it, because it's called The Sense All Rights. Owen, what's it about?
1: That was terrible. Was it? I that was a terrible pun. Um... Was it? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so So this episode's a bit of a long one, as you say. It's around six episodes, but we first Find our characters, the Doctor and his companions, as they board a mysterious spaceship. Well, they believe it's a spaceship, but not entirely sure at first where they are, because their as usual, is unreliable. So they land on the ship, they find two people who they think are dead, but are they dead? We don't know. Are they dead? Are they dead? Are they just immobilised? Are they just immobilised? Are, are they dead? It turns out they're just paralysed. So we move on very swiftly from there. So... We eventually wake them up by using a, what seems to be a square of metal, which they've got very far away. So I'm not quite sure how it's meant to wake them up. You can ignore that once again. So we eventually wake them up. We hear which they're a bit scared because of a, an alien call for sensorites, which keep, which supposedly you're laughing at me. It's so putting me off. <laughs> uh,
0: try not to. It's just we've been, on, we've been on so much of a trip already and we're only like seven minutes into the story.
1: So we find out which they're being terrorised by the for for centralites. But are there two people on board? The only two people on board? No, they're not. There's also a lost person who's had his brain com- brain completely overridden by the We then meet for the Are they peaceful? Are they not? We do not know. We find out which they are sort of peaceful, but they start mind controlling or talking to Susan via mind mind y stuff. S- Susan t- tries to go with them, but the doctor refuses. quite gets quite angry. They negotiate and they end up going down together, but leaving... One of her main side characters and Barbara down um, on the, up on the spaceship. They go downstairs where there's a plotting aboard. Can they get out of this new planet alive? Are there people who think they're at war? Will we actually see them properly or will it just be in the last five minutes? We do not know. Mostly because it does only happen in the past five minutes. So, can they escape from the sensorites or do they need to escape?
0: Well, if you got through that, then you'll definitely be interested in what's to come. <laughs> An exciting <laughs> synopsis, as always, from <laughs> Owen Cranston, delivered at the kind of speeds we only see in the daytime,
1: uh, and did, not in so, this generation of Doctor Who at all.
0: No, yeah, this is a, It's not as fast paced of a story as Owen's voice is today. Uh, did you like it? Now that we're on to that subject,
1: I thought I did until for halfway point of, but until around season, not season episode three, season. <laughs> yeah, which point. I got a bit bored.
0: I think what we found, listening to, listening, I'm on long drive mode, sorry, seeing uh, some of these stories is that four episodes seems to be about right. Like the last episode we talked about, the four episodes seem to be the good pace. When we get up to six, you feel like it's a little bit slower and doesn't need to be that long.
1: Yeah, it it feels overly point, overly padded out. The first two episodes are very good. They're very well paced. Hmm we meet meet the characters which we'll talk about later and then we find out who the central rights are and then we start to think about going down to their planet. And then once we go down to their planet, things start to go terrifically slow.
0: It reminds me of, did you ever watch uh, The Phantom Menace? The, the the first Star Wars prequel.
1: Yes, many years ago. So I don't know 100% Many years it.
0: ago. It's fine, because what I distinctly remember from Phantom Menace is that it could have been a good movie if we didn't spend an hour and a half in council meetings. And this is what this feels like. It's instead of action, we have meetings about action that could happen in the episode, but it doesn't because we're talking about it happening or not still. Mm. And there's plotting going on, but even then that doesn't have much of an effect.
1: Yeah. But before we start discussing the plot, let's get, talk about the characters and we can go into all this in a bit more depth.
0: Yes, as per. But first, so, before we do
1: that, we need to play a game. Oh, do we? Yes. Your game?
0: I love one of those game games. The game is
1: Which of our characters was on holiday this week? So we've previously had the Doctor in the Keys of Marius, we've had Susan in the Aztecs. Whose term was it this time?
0: Was it, I don't know actually, because it's only the Doctrine season, so it could be, Rose Tyler.
1: Yes, so Rose Tyler was away from this episode.
0: <laughs> yes, Rose Tyler, <laughs> she's had a long holiday, 42 years <laughs> her mm-hmm. holiday was.
1: That's why the first episode of Doctor Who, the re- reboot, was such a surprise, It's such a surprise to see such a historic character return to our screens.
0: Well, Rose has been on holiday so long that we haven't seen her yet. She started on holiday and just had an unpaid leave. Yeah. All exciting. No, it's Barbara. Barbara's definitely on holiday this one because we miss her for a good half the story.
1: Yeah, she's gone for, I think she's in for the first three, goes for two and then back for one.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think she does actually. She misses two episodes, which is similar to what's happened with Susan and... The Doctor in the past couple of stories is they've gone away for a couple.
1: Yeah. Is yeah. That... Do you think the story misses
0: out on Barbara?
1: I was thinking about this earlier when I was watching it. No. I feel like, oddly enough, whenever a character goes on holiday, because we previously had Barbara and we previously had Doctor and Susan even, and it never feels like we're missing them. Even when the Doctor left, Ian happily took his place.
0: It's quite similar now to how, I think we've even had this conversation before on this podcast, but when soaps know that a character or an actor needs to be on holiday for a week. Mm. So they'll always write their stories just to make sure they're not included or not really relevant to what's going on. They're just having a quiet week. And it's the similar here. We kind of say, look, they're in this location. They're not really doing much right now. It's all good. They'll be back in a couple. And that's fine because as long as you know they're going to go away, you can just bend your story
1: around that. And it makes, the... I think, it makes the stories more manageable because they're not having to worry about what your three character, well, what four characters are going to be doing, which yes. is what they have to try doing for current who, which we keep going back to because it's the same characters count.
0: Yeah. Well, the more characters you have, the more arcs you have to manage the more motivations you need to have on every single plot point. So it is more difficult to do. And when you take a character out, especially if they don't really suit the story or the story needs something a bit more streamlined, it can really help. Yeah, There is such a thing as having too many cooks in a script.
1: Yeah. However, I think the issue which I do have with Barbara going in this episode is that there's no discussion about what she did while she was on the ship.
0: Yeah, because Barbara's left there with um, one of the side Maryland, characters this episode Macyland. that we we'll meet Maitland, yeah, that we get, on, get to meet later. We'll have a conversation about them. Uh, but yeah, they're not really discussed. Uh, everyone else is down on the sensorites planet having a yeah. whale of a time, nearly dying.
1: Because even but I was when, just fine. when the Doctor went on holiday, we had a quick thing of, oh yes, I met this guy while I was away away from you guys, and we did this, and then he died. And then... <laughs> Yeah. And then, then in, when Susan went went, they recorded some pre shot stuff. So we had a few cutaways with Susan, and we sort of knew what she was doing. But with yeah. Barbara, it literally felt like she was in status up upstairs. There's no talk about what she was doing all the time when everyone was downstairs.
0: Yeah, it was just Barbara's just waiting around, and there was no other explanation for it. You can say it's a bit lazy, but it didn't affect the story either way. So no, yeah, no, it's all right. But let's talk about the characters actually that were there and were there for the whole episode. How is uh, our buddy Will?
1: Will's good, but he's always good.
0: Will is always good. I think he gets better episode after episode. just gets warm.
1: Yeah, because we started off with him being very grumpy. old man, doesn't really want to be there. They had a moment at the very beginning of episode one. They were talking about character growth, which I'm not sure how I felt about it. But yeah, you could definitely see which from the beginning, they've all grown up in their own ways.
0: Yeah, I think there's been some genuinely nice progression throughout these episodes for everybody. Will, Will maybe more than most, because I really enjoy watching him now. I don't think to myself, oh, he's just going to go and abandon people. He's starting to find where his moral compass really is.
1: Yeah, he's starting to find his little spark.
0: Yeah, and it's it's far more defined now. In the earlier episodes, you kind of don't know what his deal is and really what he's there for. Now you're, you're kind of getting an impression and, and it really works. Uh, and definitely in this story. I mean, obviously he's out for his own ends. He's out to protect people, but he doesn't mind helping the people that are currently holding him captive along the way, mm. so long as it serves their interests.
1: Yeah. And then we've got Ian, who we both relatively like. I think he's the yeah. same as always, really. He's good, morally strong. He's always there for people.
0: He does get to get really ill this episode. He is starting to become the almost the distressed character recently because it as Az- Aztecs he's combat to death.
1: I oh, yeah, uh, he got poisoned again, didn't he?
0: Yeah, Marinus is on trial for murder. <laughs> so we're we're three out of three on Ian is in quite a lot of trouble here.
1: I, I haven't realized that yet, but yeah, no, he's he's for one who gets kicked
0: yeah ian at the minute is being just like oh no ian's in trouble again we have to deal with it i i think it's fine because you know in Mariner's, he had a lot of time of basically doing the doctor for a couple of episodes mm-hmm. when will was on holiday and he gets time to do that in the aztecs and he still has good moments and even when he's sick on his deathbed he's still like you know we have to go into the aqueduct which is a big plot point that comes in yeah. later on but we'll go into that Uh, and go and rescue some things down there, even when he's ill. So he's still the strong character we like.
1: And then for running theme, Susan, who we both kind of are a bit lukewarm on.
0: Yeah, Susan still doesn't add an awful lot, but this was, I think, was a bit better for Susan because they actually give her something interesting to do, which is that the sensorites communicate essentially through telepathy, and they can mess about with your head. But Susan seems to not only get that, but she can kind of do it the other way.
1: She's got the gift for some reason.
0: Yeah, which, you know, she's a time lord, so you can get away with it.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: from a narrative perspective, I think it's fine.
1: Which is actually something which I was going to bring up as well. This is the first yeah. time, I think, we properly have a confirmation which the Doctor and Susan are from a different planet.
0: Yes, because it is kind of kept, what's their deal? Mm. In Earthly Child, it kind of gets mentioned, look, we're not human necessarily or we're not from around it, here
1: but either way you could i think argue from the other times i've mentioned it oh they're just from the future
0: yeah you could do uh, whereas now there is no question because for the first time as well we get to hear a little description of the planet that's been described that will eventually become gallifrey once people figure that out
1: yeah but it's quite nice because they are literally building up for pl- The stuff as they go, which is not something which we really have anymore because it's already so built up around them. They're actually able to draw draw as they go.
0: Yeah, well, you don't get that in much television now because certainly from my knowledge of the television industry and my knowledge of doing things like that, everything has to be really detailed before you even get into a pitch meeting. You have to have Bibles, which are exhaustive and go through all the plot points and all of the world building you have to really know your concept now before you're even getting into conversations. It's definitely not like the old days where it did seem like they were just kind of making up the pathology as they went.
1: Yeah, because how they filmed these old old show, their Doctor Who serials, would, they would essentially have, I think, like four four days prep, and then they'd record it as live on the Friday. And then it will yeah. be broadcasted out for ne- like on the Sunday or something along those lines.
0: Uh, Yeah, it'll be broadcast out on the Saturday.
1: So they've had like a few days maximum, maybe a week if they broadcast it for next week. I'm not 100% sure. But they had like, if something went wrong, it went wrong. That's why you can see all the different technical issues. They can't go back and reshoot it.
0: Mm. Because they were operating as usual on the £2.70 budget the BBC could afford.
1: And it's also just how things were short back then. Because tape and things were so bloody expensive back then. They just Mm. had to keep going.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's something we'll probably keep getting into the longer this goes on, is just how expensive tape is. And eventually we'll go off tape and start shooting digitally. But that'll be a long time away.
1: Actually, we haven't mentioned... No, we did mention Susan. Yeah, we've
0: talked about Susan. Yeah, the people we do need to talk about, though, Owen, are the people we meet along the way in the Sensorite story, namely the future humans.
1: Yes, so we've got John, who is initially the insane person, Carol, who's John's,
0: I think, fiance. Fiance, yeah. Or even wife.
1: Yeah, and then Matalan, who is not familiar with a shop, but I keep forgetting how you pronounce his name. Maitland. Maitland.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Maitland. The only reason I remember it is uh, because um, I know I do watch a bit of football and there's that player Ainsley Maitland-Niles from Arsenal. So Uh, that's how I remember it.
1: So I'm going to be honest, they're the worst side characters we've seen.
0: They're a bit they're a bit dry, but they have some um they have moments where they're quite likable. Maitland yeah. has this very um public school aura around him. He's very like stodgy, I thought. Maitland
1: essentially disappears after the first after when they land on the Centrites planet. We don't ever hear yeah. from him again.
0: Yeah, pretty much. He's gone after two episodes, which leaves us with Carol and John, which I think's a good call because Maitland doesn't really have much backstory other than, hi, I'm on the ship. Cool. Uh, Whereas at least Carol and John have this kind of relationship story. They were engaged to be married. They go on this space exploration or expedition. And John is essentially possessed by the sensorites. They say that his mind was weak because he sensed that this planet had a mineral that he realised that they could mine for humanity. He
1: essentially went insane due to his excitement. Yeah, it's a
0: a, a reach. But okay, if the sensorites can control you mentally, you can sort of do what you want at that point. Uh, So, (laughs) yeah, and he spends most of the story uh, muttering words to himself. Eventually, he comes good. By about episode five or six, he's like, Mm. hello again, Carol. I am the same man.
1: Can I just say... When he's not insane, I really hated his character. Really, I didn't say that. I, I just didn't trust him at all. <laughs> Which well, just the way he thought he was shady. Yeah,
0: I think. Do you know what I think it was? I think it was 1964 when they made and aired this. Men in 1964 are known to not be great guys in general. <laughs>
1: So it's probably
0: just that. It's how they would have written a guy at the time.
1: Yeah, no, I just felt he was a bit of a twat. He's a bit...
0: You know, I'm trying to think about this. You know how James Bond back then was, like, charming, but there was a very fine line between him being charming and him just coming across like an arrogant twat? Yes. He he goes over that line a bit on occasion. He's like, oh, Carol, ha-ha, I'm back. I've returned. It's like, where's this coming from?
1: Yeah, it also doesn't show him being too woozy. It's just a straight. Yeah, he just kind down. of snaps and he's Better. good
0: it's it's it is a bit of a deus ex machina because they're essentially just going yeah sense rights will cure him we have an alien race to do that we can have him be a proper character it would have been a lot more interesting if he was woozy like you say and he was kind of on his feet and didn't quite know who carol was and he was maybe having well, to it, relearn who carol was It'd be interesting which
1: is a shame because i feel like this generation of folks to very good at remembering people who are ill if that makes sense yeah yeah i get what like, you mean. In 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 for the Daleks, they were very good at showing for quite a few scenes which Ian was paralysed due to the Daleks. Though in this episode, they're very good at showing which Ian was still ill from the poisoning. Mm. So it just felt a little bit odd which they can go from doing showing illness so well to just it solved instantly.
0: Yeah, so just kind of going ah, all right, let's let's stop him being mad. I I do prefer it when he is mad not in a sense of i want him to be insane from a human level but he's more interesting when particularly when in the first episode barbara and susan get stuck in at the back of the ship with him yeah and you, you're really not sure what he's gonna do so mm. it's a really tense situation because you don't think, know what's controlling him
1: oddly i think it would have been better if you know how they still had for scenes when he was slightly mad in the chair yeah if they did do like short moments of complete lucidness compared to then going straight to not being lucid. Mm. I feel like if they did that more switching rather than just being constantly mad throughout going, oh, he's getting better, but him still obviously being slightly insane.
0: It's actually a, I'm thinking about it with my writer's cap on. Actually, it's actually a really good idea because, because you could it, do plot points like that.
1: Because that also shows which he is getting better, not just being slightly mad in the chair. Mm. It shows progression rather than just not, which is currently what we get.
0: Yeah, I think that would have worked a lot better rather than like we've gone on about just to snap your fingers and you're fine. We'll, we'll mm. make a writer out of you one day, Owen, I, mean, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Something <laughs> in you. <ya. laughs> so there's your characters for, for the censorites. All doing well, apart from the future humans. A little bit dry. So it's a six episode serial. Uh, how are we going to do this? Do you want to run through it sort of track by track and run through the whole thing, or complain already about the pacing. We
1: We can try to do it as best we can, I think. So we've got the first episode, Strangers in Space. How did you feel about the introduction to this story?
0: I think it's probably the strongest part. Yeah. Because there's there's a lot of tension. It's similar to Edge of Destruction in the sense that they're not quite sure what's going on and what a person's going to do. And that they may be operating out of their control the setup having arrived on the ship with maitland and Carol seemingly just dead uh gives you this impression of okay we're we're in for something quite harsh and violent but actually you get the opposite effect and it's more spooky and john is handled really well i think in that first episode yeah so yeah i think it works well I,
1: i agree it was the best one but there was a little thing which annoyed me yeah so, I sort of suggested it when I was doing the synopsis. It's which they they go into this knowing which this, this alien creature might completely paralyze them, essentially. Mm. But they keep the thing which will revive them in the cabinet several meters behind them.
0: Yeah. That's uh, something I haven't thought about and something I just have. Right. Yeah. It's a negative review
1: for Strangers <laughs> in Space. As soon as you start thinking about it that way, it gets just not bad. It is just annoying
0: that's just nonsense that's just not something they do
1: <laughs> yeah so essentially what happens is they come they go they land into this spaceship they're unsure where they are they receive people paralyzed they think they're dead um make make this um sort of starts to wake up and goes uh, behind behind chest and they put it on his chest and he revives himself
0: and then the same is done for Carol. It's kind of amazing that they have a piece of kit that's that's that powerful. I just yeah. restarts your heart, no problem at all. And they just kind of brush over it after it's been used once. They're like, yeah, heart resuscitated. It's the future, yeah. lads. Don't it, worry about I it. I feel
1: like they can do. It's just a bit weird which is so far away from them when they're filling it with the knowledge which this yeah, could like, happen. It's, it's, like, <laughs>
0: it's like you have a book. And you've put it in a bookmark and you, and you want to read it in the morning, so you decide to put it in the bookshelf in your living room. Yeah. It's, if you need it, keep it by you.
1: <laughs> There's no need. It's, like, it's like if you, you go to bed knowing you're probably going to have a migraine, you're not going to put your painkillers on your bookshelf. You're going to put them right next to your bed.
0: Yeah. I, I, actually, I'll tell you a story about that. I had I had like a toothache, a really bad one, last year, and I needed codeine for it because it was quite mm. it was quite significant and i'll tell you i was because i'm moving soon i was running through like drawers to figure out what i'm binning what i'm gonna put into storage things like that and i find I just find this codeine that i've just like <laughs> left in my drawers like emergency codeine that i've forgotten about because it was that bad i'd be like get me the damn stuff immediately because i can't take the pain
1: yeah, so you wouldn't put that codeine on, in your um, bathroom cabinet if you might uh, need an emergency. It just annoyed me. No, no, like, you could a it. The opening episode is really good, aside from the fact which the doors are clearly ripped off from the from Daleks.
0: Yeah, they've just reused. It, but that's fine. Yeah. I still think there's a really nice 60s sci-fi kitsch to having people wave their hands by sensors and the doors open. You know how Barbara Susan are so excited by it as well. It's almost cute. It's like yeah. that door
1: opens automatically. You see, I, I thought that was really annoying because they had seen that before in the Dark Lakes.
0: Yeah, but no, they're still excited. <laughs> they should, they should go to Tesco now.
1: Especially be Susan, who we we let believe have been with a doctor for a while,
0: and has been to the future. Yeah,
1: and is from the future, supposedly.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not a stretch to have predicted in nineteen sixty three that by two thousand twenty one we might have had automatic doors. Yeah. I mean, they should they should genuinely look at the supermarket traffic light system. I'm stunned by it now. <laughs> um
1: So they go into um Susan and Barbara get accidentally locked themselves into the back area where they meet John who's slightly insane, they're terrified they're going to hurt him. And then they hear a noise and they first see a sensorite right in the window. He sort of peers up as if to go Hello, I'm here. <laughs> what was that what was that voice <laughs> i don't know. right
0: you know for a fact now that you've done that every single time you talk about a sense of right doing so you have to do it in that voice
1: yeah that's fine
0: okay <laughs> this is gonna be an excellent episode i can just <laughs> tell so that leads us nicely into episode two the unwilling warriors
1: a really confusing title because as far as i can see there's no warriors anywhere
0: nor is there a lack of will, really, on, no. on either side. It just seems like a, two nice words they put together. Like, ah, fit.
1: Yeah. It's not even like unwilling warriors is mentioned, like it's a thing which is mentioned in the episode.
0: Yeah, it's, it's just not really relevant. As far as I'm concerned, the word warrior should only be used in very limited circumstances. I'll like be... for, yeah.
1: I'll be honest, all of the episodes for this serial t- titles are terrible, aside from Strange in Space.
0: I think a race against death's all right. It's rare yeah. but we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Unwilling Warriors is mainly uh, first contact with the sensorites. Yes. What do you, what do you think of the uh, sensorites as a I think creature?
1: It's the most stereotypical early 60s sort of 80s alien you could possibly have made.
0: Absolutely. They are nondescript in almost every way.
1: <laughs> Aside from the fact that they've got feet, which uh, essentially they've got some cardboard to cut out a circle and taped it to a guy's feet.
0: Yeah, that's kind of... It's innovative <laughs> by 60s standards. Also, there are points when you watch them and you're thinking, oh, that's their skin, but I can see the zips. So yeah. unless we're trying to do the Slavine here and we're just 40 years early... That ain't it.
1: At least there was no farting.
0: Yeah, at least I don't have to say those words again. Uh...
1: Yes, so so they come on board the ship. In threatens them, and they're they going no, don't attack us. Well, they don't even do that. <laughs> they just kind of fo- they just kind of <laughs> follow him backwards.
0: Yeah, that, that's all they do. They kind of just sort of walk. The whole setup with the sensorite is that they're keeping the they're keeping John Carroll and Maitland in space by them because yeah. they feel that they'll steal their minerals and their secrets but they're like not that.
1: killing just, them they just don't want to be given a virus which is what they yeah. suspect is happening
0: so they're kind of what What? so are you saying that they're being held in some kind of self-isolation uh, some there's been some rumours that uh, the sensorites might be offering them two lateral flow tests a week
1: yes anyway back on track
0: <laughs> There is there is a virus in the, in this episode. Uh no, I didn't even connect the dots between uh that and the current, you know, deathscape. Something tells in.
1: me this this entire section might get cut out.
0: It probably will. May, uh, may,
1: maybe it's for Century. Owen, cut out this section. Okay, Centuryite, okay.
0: So they they have first contact. They have first <laughs> contact. And we get the idea of yes. who the censorites are. To be honest, when I was watching the first episode, I thought it'd be really interesting if we didn't see the censorites at all. Like they were literally just creatures of sense, in a sense.
1: I don't think that would be possible on an episode which is six parts.
0: Yeah, it wouldn't be.
1: Um, it'd be interesting. For sensor- for they're only for the bad guys, in air quotes, well, first two seasons, first two episodes at which point we essentially learn they're, in, they're peaceful, they are just massively misunderstood and I don't feel like you yeah. could take it that direction if they were a omnipresent entity which is kind of just there
0: Yeah, it would be difficult to So we do learn that the Sensorites are quite peaceful they're quite advanced but they are protective of those advances which leads us to the main crux of the episodes moving forward
1: Where they want to take Susan
0: We must take the girl. That would be terrifying if that happened in real life. So when do you just like, it's the girl we're taking?
1: This episode title, Owen does odd voices.
0: (laughs) I just thought, you know, you know, when they do they still do crime watch? Uh,
1: Yes, but only for Roadshow version.
0: Oh, they haven't done it for like a year. Yeah, it would it would be quite scary if they did the crime watch reconstructions and like the interviews, and they just all did them in that voice.
1: Would
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> just be really off-putting. Be like, oh yes, well, my husband was murdered, but really, you know, it's happened a long time ago, and I forget this for the people.
1: Right, should we go back on track?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, what happens is the Doctor Ian and Susan go down to the Sensorites Palace while. As well as Carol and John, who gets to be cured of his insanity. Barbara Mm. and Maitland are left on the ship so that Barbara can enjoy her holiday. Yeah. (laughs) And that's all in uh, episode three, which is called Hidden Danger, which I think is referring to the one censorite who's a little bit more mistrustful than all the others.
1: The plotter.
0: The plotter. He doesn't really have a name, does he?
1: He is the administrator.
0: Yeah, the city administrator. He's very. I thought, what was he was... Just...
1: He... I thought he was just. I thought he'd just go to be an assistant, but he turns out to essentially be the mayor of their city.
0: Yeah, he's got quite a bit of power. Um, mm. Actually, he acts like he does. He's like got a chip on his shoulder quality about him.
1: Yeah, that's why I honestly thought going into this, I thought he was some sort of like personal assistant. What you generally think an administrator in modern day would be, sort of like a person. Typing up stuff, helping out people.
0: Yeah, just not really of significant importance, really. Yeah. Who fancied some power. But no, he's the whole mayor of the city and he still feels like he's got no power. So that gives you an impression of the kind of guy he, he is. Though he is secondary in a lot of ways to the Elders, which seem to be running the show.
1: Yeah. And for main Elder, for first, I've gone... What he's called first
0: elder. Yeah, I can't remember what he's called. First elder.
1: Yeah, the first elder who seems really trusting. Slightly too trusting. And for second yeah, almost elder, too I trusting. Th- I think the second elder is not distrusting, but sceptical.
0: Yeah, they're not as sure, but they're willing to give the benefit of the doubt. But then that's where the city administrator comes in, because they are absolutely convinced that the Doctor and the crew are there to steal from them, infect them, kill them, anything under the sun. And he's very protectionistic over his people.
1: And then at this point, Ian is accidentally poisoned by drinking the non-special water.
0: Yes. So the Elders have crystal water. Uh, which is purified from this really nice aqueduct. Uh, Ian drinks what isn't from there and is poisoned with basically nightshade. Yeah, which which is a lot. Uh, so he's on his deathbed. He's told he's got a couple of days to live. The doctor pleads and begs with the elders to try and find a cure for Ian and subsequently for the rest of the sensorites who apparently are also coming down with this disease.
1: So the doctor event. But then at this point we have a nice little montage. Yeah, there's a whole montage, isn't there, in this yeah. episode. Which we, we move on to an episode for a serial series which is three hours long, <laughs> and you need to have a montage for it, you might need to be thinking about your runtime.
0: It's interesting that they go for a montage to speed some information up to have more scenes where not where information doesn't Really get provided,
1: yeah. So for they they make a cure. They tried to give it. To, the Doctor sends a servant to give it to Ian. The servant gets gets stopped by the uh, so administrator. At which point the doctor, not knowing this, goes and investigates the act aqueduct act- and is what attacked. What I find by amazing about East.
0: that that plot point of the administrator <laughs> taking the antidote from the servant. Is it is the most nonchalant thing you've ever seen. So servant's just like actually no, administrators saying, What are you doing there, servant? Servant says, I'm giving the antidote to the doctor. And administrator says, Excellent. I'll do that for you. Just answer. <laughs> yeah. It's the easiest sabotage I've ever seen in media.
1: But this is I think goes into their the century rights characters, because they are extraordinarily trusting.
0: Yeah, they're pretty much a hive species. They're pretty almost one of the same. That's the level of trust they have in each other. Yeah. And they don't yeah. have names as such, only really ranks.
1: So at this point, the doctor goes to the actual duck where he's attacked by this beast. Mm. but And um, eventually Ian gets the thingy, gets the vaccine, not vaccine, for treatment.
0: <laughs> We're on COVID mode. The Doctor is actually secretly a sponsor of AstraZeneca.
1: The Doctor gets the treatment. Uh, Ian gets the treatment and goes back and goes to investigate where the Doctor went.
0: Yes, uh, even though Ian is still very much in recovery.
1: It goes on to what we were saying before. It's very good at showing people being ill.
0: Yeah, it works. And also, I think the actor that plays Ian is just quite good at pulling that off, these sort of gradual progressions, and it feels really believable. I think that's what makes Ian such a nice character.
1: So yeah, and then around this point, the administrator realises, which, they all look the same.
0: Yes. And then the administrator uses that to his advantage by doing a very uncensorite thing, which is killing the second elder.
1: Kidnapping first and then killing.
0: Yes, the double. The kidnap and the kill. And then, brilliantly, all he has to do to masquerade as the second elder is just put on the sash.
1: Yeah. Because he realises, which, let's be honest, they all look the same.
0: Yeah, it's it's quite incredible. And then, within about two minutes of doing that, he somehow fakes the murder of the second elder while being the second elder, <laughs> claims it's the doctor. They realise it's a lie because... Am I right in saying that it's the administrator who then foils the servant's story? This was this always got quite convoluted.
1: No, so for, essentially the for servant who's on the administrator's side essentially goes... Um, a man um, the doctor killed the second in command and then they're going how do you recognise the doctor and he went the hair is different and he was wearing a coat but the problem then becomes the doctor's coat was destroyed didn't have a coat at this point because he got wrecked by the beast Mm. and he goes oh no because the doctor at this point is wearing a cape he goes oh no he must have been wearing a cape and at this point the elder goes must have only just given him the cape
0: hmm so, obviously, the story falls flat. But it's the administrator who then basically uses that to his advantage and gets made the second elder. Yeah. Which gives him actual proper power.
1: Which the doctor and companion sort of wheeled on. Uh, yeah,
0: because they they didn't catch on. They don't catch on to the fact that he's trying to uh, sabotage them. So they end up no. basically egging the first elder on to make this person who has helped us the second elder and they do and he becomes a rude twat again
1: yeah and then so i think at this point we're on to kidnap and then at the end of kidnap um what's her name carol gets 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 kidnapped hence the name kidnapped right at the very end of the episode
0: yes and she's told that she'll be held and she has to tell john that she's gone back to the
1: spaceship at this point, John is back, is better.
0: Yeah, and John has just gotten better as well during that episode, which is where he starts to do the uh, too charming, very arrogant thing that we were going on mm-hmm. about earlier.
1: But John remembers roughly who who was the evil person around him. He was the guy wearing a a collar, which is the administrator. And everyone at this point goes, "Oh no, we've made the evil person in charge, p- given him a p- place of power." So you're oh thinking. No.
0: Well, how are they going to resolve this? Because that so, seems to be the whole setup for six. How are they going to solve the city administrator being in power?
1: So they, they resolve this quite important plot point. Is So we're all thinking how they're going to do it. So they decide to go down the very um, solid route of just deciding they can't be bothered.
0: Yes, <laughs> because <laughs> it is not resolved at all. <laughs> it's just not resolved.
1: So in a desperate venture they realise something odd is going on. So Ian and Doctor goes back down the Aqueduct to work out who what the beast is and who's been poisoning for um for centurites And so they go down there, they get lost because they got given a fake map. And then Yeah, was that um, the b-
0: second elder who did that? Yes. Yeah, the second elder does that basically to get them lost in the aqueduct so that they die.
1: Yeah. And and then they discover the beasts are just humans. And yes, if you're wondering, did this all happen in the last episode? Yes, it happened for the last five minutes.
0: Yes, they discover humans with their own motivations, their belief that they're in a war with the sensorites, which feels like a whole big shift for the story. We had five minutes left. You thinking how are you? How are you introducing this one, lads? Because we we haven't got a lot of time. Um, so
1: they want again use a very clever technique for resolving this. They, they look hmm. at resolving it properly and then they decide, once again, they can't be bothered.
0: And this is why Doctor Who is a successful television show now, because Chris Chibnall has looked at that and gone, I could take some tips
1: <laughs> <This is really laughs> from how big. they did it in the old days. Because this, this episode is so long. It feels like if they had shifted if they got rid of one of the middle episodes and shifted everything up and had one more and had a new episode at the end, it feels like they could resolve this really well.
0: Yeah, you could have done that. I think it's a four episode story, which is hmm. padded out into six. And
1: But it's padded out it, it, in really wrong places.
0: Yeah, it's padded out in the middle bits when not a lot's going on and you're kind of waiting for an event. And you're, really, the main driver of the story is the administrator plotting about in the shadows.
1: But then that's literally resolved by them going, them, then finding for humans. Go, oh look, we've we've caught for humans. There won't be any problem anymore. And then we cut back to them talking to a, to the first first elder and going, he won't be any more problem anymore, will he? No, cool. We can now go back on board with TARDIS. Yes,
0: we've given you we've we've given you the reason back because they they start by taking the lock out so they can't. I'm the yeah. door. It's the, it's the classic technique of we arrive in a place, oh no, we already can't use the damn ship within about 60 seconds.
1: I can't wait until they get out of using that as a plot point. It's, it's, it's literally been in now.
0: every story. <laughs> they arrive yeah. and within 10 minutes maximum, someone has held the TARDIS captive or it's been lost somewhere yeah. or they've put it in a place they can't find it or it's behind a door.
1: Yeah, and I can't wait until they decide, which they don't need to do that. and They just want to help resolve a problem.
0: Yeah, because at the moment because, it's just, well, you know, we'll resolve it as long as we can get the hell out of it.
1: <laughs> yeah. But they don't really so, resolve I, the problem. <laughs> I think we're getting close to the end now.
0: Yeah, we'll be there.
1: Yeah. what What did you think of this episode?
0: On the whole, I think it's a decent watch and there's enjoyable bits in there, but it does get very slow. It's very bogged down. The side characters aren't particularly great. Sensorites aren't massively interesting. They're very nondescript, as you say. It's Mm. it's meh. It's a big meh. It's not bad, but it's definitely not on the level of the last two, which I think we both quite liked.
1: Yeah. It's a non-offensive episode.
0: Yeah. I think the only real issue is that length. Because six episodes yeah. for this was way too long.
1: Six episodes for all of them seems to be way too long. Even for Daleks, we yeah, we'd have well, Daleks that
0: seven episodes that was.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad we don't we can't watch the twelve episode Dalek one.
0: Oh yes, <laughs> twelve episode Dalek one. Imagine <laughs> that in a in the in the podcast recording time we give ourselves, we'd be here for a day. Trying to do that one.
1: Yeah. So yeah. So out of ten, what do you give it?
0: Uh, well it's a mess I'll I'll go down the middle and give it a five
1: yeah I'm going to say five I think up until the first first half is good second half is weird
0: yeah I think it just it slowly gets worse as you go Mm. particularly towards the ending where they really do just they pretty much just abandon all the story threads and go ah here's a way out ah we can finally get out of here
1: so I think that's the end of the episode we've done it we've finished the season
0: Yes, we finished uh, series one, so season one, of Doctor Who.
1: Yeah. We've missed two episodes since we can't do it. Yeah, so the old, the old going... fire. Yeah, so next week we are going to have a bit of a different episode. We're going to sit here and discuss all of the episodes which we've seen this season, work out which ones we think, think were the favourites, which ones we thought were the worst, and what it means for Doctor Who moving forwards.
0: Yes, and we're hopefully going to do that for each season, have a little recap, uh, see where the lay of the land is, and mainly laugh about our favourite bits. We'll probably mention Dalek book club again, knowing us.
1: Yeah. So thank you very much for listening. Please. Actually, I think, James, it's your turn to do the outro. So I'm going to stop Is it my turn to do the
0: outro? Oh, well, I'll give it a shot. Okay. Well, you've made it to the end. Thanks very much for listening to Into the Black Archive for another glorious week. If you like what you hear and you want to chat to us or get in touch with us in any way, there's a few ways you can. We're we're on Twitter, which is at Black Archive Pod. Uh, and you can email us at blackarchivepod at gmail.com. So you can get in touch either way. Let us know uh, what you think of this. And if you've been watching the old classic
1: episodes yourself,
0: we'd love to hear from you.
1: Other so than for, that, yes. Thank, thank you for this. I'll just been, say, say oh, thanks oh, for right. listening.
0: I don't think you were coming in, but it's nice that you are.
1: Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And we will see you in seven days' time. Goodbye.
1: Well, thank you for making it to the end of this episode of In for Black Archive. If you enjoyed what you listened to, please remember to subscribe.